Daily Drive is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retail anywhere. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Smith with Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, June 30th. Last week, automaker Volvo made two very important announcements. First, the company announced that its assembly plant in South Carolina will become the automaker's first facility that is 100% dedicated to building electric vehicles. Specifically, a battery version of its best-selling XC90 and a Polestar-branded all-electric crossover. The company also announced that LiDAR technology would be a standard feature in the new all-electric XC90. The announcements, according to automotive news reporter Urvach Karkaria, who wrote about Volvo's decision to build the electric XC90 and Polestar crossover in this week's edition of Automotive News, says the news offers some important signals that other manufacturers might want to watch. For example, by choosing to build EVs in South Carolina and dedicate its one plant in America to that mission, the company sees a lot of EV adoption among U.S. consumers, particularly interesting when the company has no plans at this point to make the facility an export hub. And while the company's strategy is based on a build-where-you-sell philosophy, the decision also signals that Volvo sees that it can gain a competitive advantage from manufacturing in America, including higher productivity. Finally, the decision to make LiDAR standard in the electric SC90 builds on Volvo's long-standing focus on safety and sets an important benchmark for the industry. Again, particularly interesting in a moment in the United States where debate continues regarding making technology features that are available today and that are proven to save lives standard features in new vehicles. What else are companies saying about the move to build EVs in the U.S. and make LiDAR standard? What risks are they watching? And what are the plans to train a workforce literate in batteries and EVs? We've reached Automotive News reporter Irvach Karkaria in Atlanta. Irvach, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's great to speak with you. Thank you for taking time to join me on the show. Exciting conversation today around Volvo and some pretty significant announcements they made last week surrounding both EVs and autonomous technology. Let's start with the EV announcement. Can you share with our listeners what news they're making regarding their assembly plant in South Carolina? Sure. Volvo will begin production of two electric crossovers starting next year, late next year. The plant will uh, first start building the Polestar 3, which is a crossover, an electric crossover, uh, being developed by uh, Volvo affiliate Polestar. And then shortly thereafter, uh, maybe in early 2023, Volvo will begin building an electric version of its bestseller, which is the XC90 crossover. It seems that executives are making a pretty significant bet on EV adoption in the United States. In your conversations with executives, what are they saying needs to happen to grow the, you know, the, the adoption of EVs by consumer in America? So Volvo Cars a global CEO, Hokan Samuelson, uh, talked to me last week uh, in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, 
And he says that the government has a role to play uh, in terms of driving adoption. Uh, he sees the government's role, the federal government's role in two areas. One is in building a robust uh, network of high-speed chargers, which is critical to EV adoption in this country where range anxiety is a real concern. Uh, the other area uh, he sees the government stepping in is providing incentives to customers to buy EVs. And he feels that the um, proposal to limit the incentive uh, to cars made in the, U in the U.S. or parts that are made in North America uh, is somewhat limiting. He feels that there should be a you know, broader applicability of the federal incentives for EVs for it to be really successful. So why not make this investment in a different part of the world that perhaps is a little bit further down the road, if you will, relative to consumer interest, consumer adoption, other countries like China, for example, has government incentive relative to charging infrastructure. Why the United States versus these other markets? Right. So Volvo has a you know, uh, build build where you sell approach, and this is for this is a policy that they've had for years, and it's sort of a global plan, which is why they also have factories in Europe, they have factories in China, and now uh, they uh, starting in 2018, uh, they built a factory in the United States for EVs. I think buying a building closer to where the customer is is even more important because of the uh, the, the lithium-ion batteries. And not only are they very heavy and therefore expensive to ship, they're also high voltage and, and, and come with a significant amount of risk in terms of you know, shipping over oceans. So there is an incentive to have your production where you end up selling the vehicles. The other, the other advantage of building EVs in the US is even though the US is a relatively higher labor cost market the number of labor hours required to build EVs is, relatively speaking, is lower than combustion engine cars. So the overall cost of production is lower, uh, even in a high-cost uh, country like the United States. There's a lot more automation in EV building than, say, in um, combustion engine vehicle manufacturing. So that gives the U.S. another advantage. Finally, Across the world, and, and while certain markets may be a little more advanced and mature in the um, supplier ecosystem for EVs, it's still all relatively new uh, when it comes to you know, e-motor production or battery cell manufacturing. So there isn't that much of a disadvantage that the U.S. has compared to, say, China or Europe when it comes to building EVs. A couple of questions on supply chain and talent. Are you hearing any concerns from Volvo executives when it comes to the EV supply chain? Again, particularly here in the United States, you have Tesla bringing on another plant that is going to uh, tap into the capacity of batteries. You've got the big three that are planning U.S. production as their fleets go more and more EVs. Any supply chain concerns you're hearing about from the executives over at Volvo? Absolutely. Uh, battery, battery cell production is a uh, 
problem for all automakers that are looking to build EVs here. There just isn't enough uh, uh, battery cell production capacity. Uh, that's obviously ramping up. Uh, we had a story recently uh, where I think we noted that there were about 12 new battery cell plants that are going up that have either been announced or are under construction uh, in the U.S. Uh, I asked the Volvo executives. I also spoke with the production, the global production chief. He was in uh, in the U.S. as well last week, uh, and I asked him, uh, you know, where these cells were going to be for all these cars. Where were they going to be sourced? And obviously, he was tight-lipped about it. Said that they were in negotiations. Uh, with a number of uh, battery cell suppliers. But there are a couple of interesting things. Um, currently, uh, Volvo sources its batteries for its XC40 recharge crossover, which is built in China and Europe. Uh, they get those cells from LG uh, and CATL. Uh, but a few weeks ago, I think it may have even been last week, uh, they announced a partnership with a Swedish uh, battery company battery maker called Northvolt, uh, and uh, it would be, it's, it, they basically have reached a joint venture where they were going to look at, you know, different technologies, but also open up a, a, a gigafactory or a battery cell factory in Europe. This is Volvo and Northvolt. So the question becomes, does Northvolt now supply the U.S. made cars? Um, another interesting angle is Polestar, which, as I mentioned, is Volvo's affiliate or sister company. They recently announced a joint venture with SK. That's a South Korean battery maker. SK is an investor in Polestar, and it's also building a giant battery factory in North Georgia in the United States, uh, which is you know in the neighboring state from South Carolina. So it would be interesting whether uh, it would be interesting to see if if Volvo and Polestar uh, create some sort of a arrangement with SK uh, to supply batteries to the Charleston plant from the Georgia factory. It seems perhaps a move towards vertical integration, right? Maybe not so far, but at least having right. a locally based supplier with operation that is exclusively supplying the batteries for, in this case, the Polestar and the Volvo vehicles that will be produced in the U.S. Right. In Volvo's case, I think, and when I say Volvo, I also mean Polestar, uh, it's not like a GM or a Ford where, uh, you know, th those, are, those, are, those, those, those companies have built, will be building EVs in far higher volumes than Volvo and Polestar. So I feel, at least in the U.S., initially, uh, Volvo will be sourcing batteries from a plant that also sources, also supplies other EV makers. I don't believe at this point uh, Volvo has the volumes to justify a standalone plant in the U.S. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back with more. As online experiences exploded this past year, it was clear dealers needed an approach that kept them in business for the long term. Chris Walsh, Casey Edwards, and Dave Bates, top Reynolds executives, sat down to discuss today's digital retailing landscape. Here's an excerpt from that roundtable discussion. So what are dealers trying to do to get this fully online and online to in-store experience? I mean, that's a great question. And honestly, it's, a, it's kind of a hard one to answer because retailers are kind of defining and using digital retailing differently. You know, to some dealers, it's selling a car. To others, it's sales and F&I. And they, they tend to be approaching it 
in chunks versus, you know, kind of a holistic, holistic approach. And then you end up just focusing on one or two things when you need to focus on, you know, more of a big picture. Digital retailing is dealership operations, period. Reynolds' Retail Anywhere approach focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this big-picture, holistic approach, visit reyrey.com slash retailanywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retailanywhere. When you think about talent and the highly advanced skills needed to work in a factory building electric vehicles, do executives feel they can find that kind of talent in the U.S. at the scale that they need? Another question that was brought up in our interviews last week, and uh, I talked to the uh, the Charleston plant uh, chief, um, and he said recruitment is going to be his biggest challenge going, you know, for the, in the near term, as they get this plant ready to build uh, these two new models. Uh, he says, uh, you know, uh, finding hourly workers um, within sort of the within a uh, proximity to the plant itself would be a challenge, but the bigger problem would be finding the technical talent, the salaried, the engineers uh, in the, in sort of the, the South Carolina area. And he, fe- he feels like he'll have to uh, widen his search uh, to a, to a larger a geographic region uh, to be able to get the talent that he needs. So finding the, the salary talent to support this manufacturing is definitely a challenge for Volvo. More broadly, when you look at Volvo's decision to make this investment in the United States, when you talk about some of these other battery manufacturers that are also signaling investment in the United States, what do you think that means broadly for America's manufacturing competitiveness? Do you think it's a signal to others that despite not being a low-cost sourcing country, there are other compelling competitive advantages to come and build manufacturing facilities in the United States? Yeah, I think these automakers have little choice if they want to sell these EVs in the U.S. And, and I'm assuming that the United States will continue to be the second largest auto market after China even in an electrified uh, age, uh, I suppose, I mean, they really have no other choice but to build uh, these these vehicles here. And uh, I see EVs uh, basically changing the industrial landscape, the manufacturing landscape in the United States. So a lot of the, a lot of the plants that are currently building combustion engines will be repurposed uh, to EVs. But I think what will be interesting to see is which plants sort of make the cut and which legacy plants don't make the cut. And I think that will hinge on where the new EV supply chain gets built. Uh, you know, it'll do so. So assuming that there are two plants, uh, ice plants, and one is next to a new battery cell production factory and the other one isn't, it's more likely that the one closer to the battery cell plant will, you know, get repurposed to build EVs while the other one may just disappear. So I think the the overall footprint of of manufacturing uh, auto manufacturing plants will change. Let's talk about the other announcement that Volvo made last week, and that is that beginning next year, the all electric XC90 will come equipped with lidar, excuse me, as standard equipment. Why is that an important announcement? Oh yeah, it's incredibly important for a brand like Volvo 
which has essentially built its reputation historically on safety. Uh, I mean, these guys invented sort of the uh, the, the seatbelt uh, and airbags and and you know various other safety measures. So for them, safety is number one, and I think lidar is going to be sort of the new uh, the new uh, 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 safety uh, benefit uh, in in the future. And I think what's interesting is Volvo has said that they will build the lidar hardware into the vehicle and as into all vehicles, and then they would basically uh, charge uh, customers uh, for uh, for essentially turning it on via software update. And I think that's a smart strategy because that would sort of uh, you know spread the spread the manufacturing costs over a number of vehicles if they sort of build it into all the cars. And then it's an easier upsell to the customer by saying, you know, for so many dollars, we will just send an over-the-air update and you'll get access to this critical safety equipment versus saying, well, you have to come into this, you have to come back into the service center and we need to now install the additional uh, sensors on your car, hardware sensors, which would be a lot more expensive after the fact. So by building it in right from the beginning, they're making it easier for the customer to step up the safety feature. Such an interesting business model, however, because it's very much, as you describe it, a passive technology, right? Whereas the safety piece of it, I think many consumers would pay for or opt for the more active technologies, right? Much simpler, but automatic daytime running lights that turn on that consumers cannot... Uh, turn off, right? I have the lane assist in my vehicle that I turn off because I don't like the driving experience. I understand that takes away from the safety benefits that 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 that, that technology is meant to deliver and protect me and, and my other passengers in the vehicle. Why? It's curious to me why the what I'll describe as the passive approach, i.e. you can turn this on as a cost versus a more active approach. So when you say turn it on as a, uh, as a cost, you mean turn on the, turn the feature on, make the Correct. feature available? Correct. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, the thing with, the thing with LiDAR is yeah, safety is obviously one of, the main, one of the main benefits of having LiDAR, but it's also, LiDAR is also critical for uh, self, or for a, well, well, it's not self-driving at this point, but it will be a critical uh, uh, feature needed for level three and level four uh, autonomy. So it's so I think the, the the lidar is not just a safety equipment, but it's also a critical tool uh, to have self-driving. You know, whenever that gets that gets legal. In the United States, Volvo described this as a watershed moment, and the reason right. why I describe it as that is because recent episodes of Daily Drive, we've had Mothers Against Drunk, drunk Driving on the show, we've had Velodyne on the show, and and in fact, Velodyne and Mothers Against Drunk Driving just announced a partnership last week as well. But essentially, Mothers Against Drunk Driving right now is championing two bills within the U.S. Congress, both on the House side and on the Senate side, that essentially between them, they're called the HALT Act and the RIDE Act. They are calling for 
these types of technologies to become standard features uh, in vehicles strictly and, and, and essentially for the effort to try to reduce distracted driving and reduce drunk driving. Is Volvo setting the example here um, that other automakers should pay attention to? For sure, absolutely. And, uh, you know, being uh, with, with, with sort of safety being such a critical marketing uh, marketing talking point for Volvo, uh, I mean, them doing it, uh, it actually adds a lot more weight uh, than, than, you know, maybe some other automakers. And I think what Volvo is also doing by, by teaming up with, uh, on this LiDAR with uh, Luminar is that by, by giving Luminar substantial volumes, they're also lowering the, the cost down the road for this technology. So I think the Luminar CEO told us, uh, or, or, or it, was in, it was in a report that uh, he said that the, the LiDAR technology right now, the LiDAR sensor, sensor, sensors would add about $1,000 to the cost of the car. But as you know, mainstream automakers like Volvo sort of adopt this technology, it's going to significantly lower uh, the cost and make it more accessible to even non-luxury um, in non-luxury cars. But yes, uh, to your to your original point, by Volvo setting an example with uh, with by by saying that you know we're going to put lidar as standard equipment, uh, that's definitely going to get the other attention of other automakers. So an all-electric XC90 coming standard yeah. equipped with LiDAR built in the USA is going to hit the showrooms come 2022, right? More like early 2023. But yeah. 2023. That's a compelling yeah. story. Urvach, thank you very Absolutely. much for joining me today on the show and sharing some of the perspective from your reporting of Volvo. Terrific insights. Thank you for taking a few minutes. Thank you. That's Daily Drive for Wednesday, June 30th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash Daily Drive. As always, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.